There are lots of different ways that we um, receive understanding and revelation. Something uh, specific that uh, Ben and I have been talking about over the last several weeks. We uh, we kind of talk back and forth about the greater truth and understanding the, the uh, understanding the scriptures and going deeper. And the problem with going deeper is it's hard to stop. Once you start seeing things, it's hard to go backwards. You just keep seeing more and more things. And what we've discovered is there's lots of, uh, there's all these types and shadows in the Old Testament that go into the New Testament and all these things that are just pictures of Jesus, that Jesus is the center of it all. It's, I mean, this is what we believe as a church. It's Christocentric hermeneutic. We believe that Christ is the center of it all, that everything was leading up to and everything is from Jesus. Um, and uh, as we get, dig deeper into individual scriptures and stories and the, the meta-narrative, the grand story of scripture, we begin to see uh, these little, I don't know what you call like nuggets, this, these revelations. It's just like, wow, this is really neat to see. And some of those we've talked about, and I'm going to run through some of the, uh, some of the, the ones, that, some of the ones we've talked about, and I'm going to kind of be briefing through these so we can kind of stick to the main point later on, if I can do that. Most of you know me and my ADD. But there is a, there are lots of uh, stories that once you look deeper into them, first, first when I would learn in churches is I would try to apply those, I would try to put myself in every one of those positions. So, you know, like David and Goliath, I would want to be, we need to be like David, when really Jesus was David, you know, and we're the ones shaking in our boots, needing a Savior. And so there's all these stories that at first we want to make good object lessons in Sunday school, right? Have y'all been there? Nothing wrong with that. There's good surface lessons and moral lessons in there. There's nothing wrong with those, but there's not life in those, Right? Um, and so when we see all these little stories and, and you know, the whale and, and really it's really a picture of Jesus and the three days and, and resurrection, all that is types and shadows. But if we just look at them on the surface, it's just a good moral story. Hey, you know, we need to go to Nineveh. We want to we make these about us and about how we can do it. Although we're included in the story, it's not really about us. It's all about Jesus. Having said that, when we, when we see that like the from the, the Israelites going to the promised land and them going all the way and then they're complaining about fresh Krispy Kreme donuts every morning because they want something different. <laughs> and and they just want to go back to what they knew even though that was slavery and that was just familiar to them and they're complaining and then they finally get so close and then we send messengers and they say, we feel like grasshoppers, these guys are giants. And God's going, have you not seen everything that I've done for you? And so they can't go to the promised land because of fear and because uh, they're afraid because they, because of unbelief. So they want to go back to something familiar. They're scared of maybe the unknown, right? Um, and then we fast forward and we see stories like, uh, <clears throat> like the, the the one we talked about a few weeks ago, where you know the the guys are throwing the, the nets in the water and they're not catching anything. And Jesus says, "Hey, throw it on the other side." And they're like, "Yeah, but we've been working all night." And he's like, "No, I get it. <laughs> Listen to me. Throw it on the other side." And they catch all the fish. And so we say, "Well, that's good. There's a physical need met. They got fish. It's good for food or, or for money for livelihood." But the 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 greater truth or the deeper truth we see that satisfies me intellectually is that that's a great picture of the new covenant is that, you know, if we strive and we struggle under religion, we can never, we don't catch any fish necessarily. And then Jesus, we go to Jesus and he supplies all of our needs. It's a transition from something that's passing away to something that's, that's coming in. In the same way, the, uh, the, actually Doug sparked this last week when after the service, he, he said, how, how far do you think Peter walked on the water? And I was like, man, I have no idea. I wasn't there, you know, I don't know how far he walked in. And Doug proposed, well, I think it was a pretty good way um, because it would have been far, kind of far to go back. He didn't even consider going back to the boat at that point. Naturally, there's waves and storm and everything. He's looking at Jesus and he loses his focus and looks down and sees the waves. And I think 
wow, what, a, what an incredible picture. And we can, we can take that as a good moral story and begin to say, well, we need to just focus on Jesus and don't be distracted. And that's good. But at the same time, we see a, a deeper truth to me that satisfies me intellectually is that the boat is a, is a good representation of the old covenant. It's passing away, and Jesus, we're going towards him as the new covenant. So it's kind of a deeper truth. Does that make sense? Am I, is everybody catching on to this? Um, and I could go on and on. There's tons of stories, and they're all great pictures of, of Christ coming to us and, and ushering in this kingdom and ushering in this, this, this new covenant that we all get to be a part of, all nations, not just the Jews, but Gentiles, which is all of you, as far as I know. Um, and in thinking about this, uh, we, especially amongst the leadership, we joke around about making everything a sermon illustration. And, and, uh, and Ben said this morning when he came off us, he said, he asked Trent, he said, how often are you, are you worried that you're going to be a sermon illustration? And he was like, every Sunday? And she was like, every Sunday. So I was about to turn the table over. Ah, you just ruined my whole sermon. I was going to talk about my kids the whole time. But that's what I'm familiar with. That's my greatest ministry is ministering to our kids. So it's very easy for me to see father's love because I'm a father. So I'll try not to embarrass any kids. And if I do, don't tell them because they're in children's church. I won't talk about you. Trend's in here. Huh? Yeah, not her. Trend's in here. I'm not going to talk about you, Trend. I wasn't going to anyway. You were safe this Sunday. Um, But what we did yesterday, and I, I swear I don't look for sermon illustrations when we're out doing stuff. We're just doing stuff. And as I think about them, they just work really well. So bear with me. Um, what I find, especially uh, on the water when we've got boats and jet skis and things, and you might, you might have witnessed this before, when, when people, especially kids, go to get on a floating device off of a non-floating device, they get a little nervous, and sometimes they can't decide, right? And so what they do is they, they go to step on one, and then they're not sure that's the worst place to be because you start doing a split, and they find themselves in the water sometimes. And uh, only one kid found themselves in the water, but it wasn't even because of that. She just fell off the dock for some reason. And, uh, but we had circled around with the jet ski, and we had left. Uh, it was Jordan. <laughs> we left Jordan on the, on the dock, and she was like, don't leave me by myself. And it's like in front of our house. And it's like, we're just right here. We're just going to make a circle. And sure enough, as soon as I turn around and come back, I was like, where'd she go? And she's, we've got this little bitty floating dock, and the land is from here to Tracy. And she could fall off and walk in the water to it. But she's hanging on the side of the dock. And I'm going up, I was like, is she just playing? What is she doing? And she was just screaming, help, help. I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I fell off the dock. So I helped her up and get back on. I was like, why didn't you jump down and, and go? She's like, the water's cold. I was like, really? Anyway, so she couldn't decide when she fell off. She was like, no, I'm staying here. You know, it really would have been safer if she just got off and walked. She probably, she kind of scraped her arms a little bit, falling off the dock, trying to hang on. And she could have just fell down and walked over to the thing. She was just scared of the cold water. But there's a bit of indecisiveness, and we're not sure what's coming, and we want to go back to what we know is familiar. Uh, another, another thing that I thought of this morning, um, if, it's going to be a big surprise to everybody, is squirrels. Um, first of all, squirrels is a funny word if you spell it. <laughs> it's, it looks like squirrel, because <laughs> I misspelled it twice, but it looks like squirrel. And it made me think of all the other little, I don't know if y'all have seen these little, the names of other animals, people, like the snake is like a danger noodle, and like... They should call squirrels tree rats because they're just rats that are in trees, and it's easier to say than squirrel. Anyway, I digress. So squirrels, have you, ever, have you ever been driving and seen a squirrel run all the way across the road and then, like, question it and then go back and then go back and forth? And you're like, dude, just, I don't want to hit you, and then splat, right? And so, and then your kids are mad at you. So, but you're just trying to get to church. No, I'm just kidding. That did not happen anytime recently, but... 
But I studied this, and there should be a game show for insignificant facts because I study a bunch of stupid things that don't really matter. So I studied squirrels to see why they go back and forth because I was curious. Well, no one has, apparently, no one has studied extensively why they do it. There's just a few theories. Seriously, like, they're all theories. No, everybody says this, none of this can be proven. None of it's been studied very far. But here's what we think. <laughs> it's basically, here's the science that I found. Uh, the two main theories, and it's about half and half what I found on the Internet, and everything on the Internet is true, right? What I found on the Internet was half and half. Some people think um, that it's an instinct because when hawks are flying, you know, mostly hawks try to scoop them up, they try to zigzag back and forth, <laughs> and, and the hawks can't catch them. But unfortunately, cars don't care. <laughs> so they're like, no, whoa, oh, you can't catch me. And then they're splat. So cars aren't trying to get them. <laughs> so that, that's one of the theories. And that's, that makes sense, I guess, too. But the other one is that most of the time when they get all the way across, they're familiar with where they were. They're not familiar with where they're going. And that, makes, that fits my sermon, so I'm going to use that one. <laughs> but, that, uh, but that makes sense to me, too, because, you know, we, we find it, we're squirrels sometimes. We find ourselves in places where we're like, I, I don't know what's up here, but I know what's back here. Even if it's not good, I'm, I'm familiar with it, and I can go back to a safe, what I think is a safe place. And it's the same thing that the Israelites did. It's the same things that we do a lot of times here is that when we find things that are unknown or that seem a little too good to be true, we have a tendency to step back. We, 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 we as a church and me as an individual, I did this when we first started seeing miracles and seeing the miraculous. I got scared. I got scared. I got scared and I was like, I don't know about this. This is a little freaky. I'm, I'm, this is a little weird. And, and, and as it was happening, I was like, I, I'm not sure about it. And my first tendency was to go back to something more structured that didn't make me feel uncomfortable every once in a while. Does that make sense? That was my first instinct. But I was like, no, let's, let's just see what this is about and everything. And the more we began to discover what it was, the more we began to realize that it is this, it's not too good to be true. There is healing in the kingdom. And that when these things happen, it, the, that the Lord is glorified and that uh, people's needs are met uh, physically and spiritually. And it is the, the, uh, uh, the, the, whole, the whole gospel. It's the whole uh, salvation. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. What's the Greek word? Sozo. Sozo. Is the, it's, it's saved, healed, delivered. It's all tied up in one. And so we began to discover that. We, we saw it, which is the way the Lord teaches me, and I don't know, maybe it's because of the way that I am. <laughs> he teaches me, I see it, and then I begin to see it. I go back to the scripture, and I go, okay, well, that's what that means. That makes more sense to me. Same thing happened when we, when we discovered grace. It's like, okay, put on the brakes. This is too good to be true. This can't be right. What is going to keep everybody behaving? What is going to keep everybody doing what they're supposed to do if we tell them they're free, right? That's scary, as, as I was a youth pastor at the time, and it threw my whole ministry on its head because up to that point, I was, I was fairly um, um, charismatic or energetic or fun, and I could be a pretty good, I guess, motivational speaker, and I'm, I'm kind of breaking it down to its most basic form. And I was like, well, now if I'm not just pushing them to do things, what does that look like? How do I teach them? And so all of that shifted and changed for me now. And as a pastor, it's the same thing. Well, now, and the questions come up, and I don't know if you guys have asked them, but we asked them, well, okay, what are the lines? Are the lines drawn? What do they look like? What, what, are, we, what are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? And for some reason, when we discovered grace, everybody thinks, well, you just throw everything, all, any kind of practical wisdom out the door. And nowhere does that say that in Scripture. It's constantly teaching us. It is so important that we teach one another. But here's the key. We teach it in the context of relationship. This is why it's in, in a broader sense, I can't teach all of you um, how to behave because I don't know the situations that you're in, right? If I told all of you to do these things and don't do these things, that wouldn't fit into each one of your, and I don't want to put, I don't want to put it like you're, 
like you're your own God. So I know that's the way it may come off. But I would be sh- shortcutting and short-circuiting the Holy Spirit. Because if I was the one to tell you day by day, then how would you depend on him day by day? Then we would go back into the old system of we've got to go to church on Sunday, we've got to go to church on Wednesday, we've got to make sure we do this, we've got to stay busy so that we don't get in trouble. And we've got to stay, the whole Wednesday was a shot in the arm so I can make it through the rest of the week. Look, I want this to be a safe place for everybody to come and to learn and to, to gain revelation and to build relationships. But this church and no church is yours, Holy Spirit. It's not. And it can't be. You have to have that relationship. This is why I can't speak into everybody's lives about everything that they're dealing with. If I hear somebody's doing something, quote unquote, wrong or what we believe to be wrong, unless they come to me or unless I have a relationship with them, I don't feel the need to just run to them and tell them they're doing something wrong. Why do you think that is? They're not going to receive it. They're not going to receive it. And it's not going to do them any good and it's not going to do me any good. The first thing I do if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I really feel like this person is having some issues, they've expressed to me and they've talked to me about it, and, and they've confided in me these issues. I think you need to go talk to them. Pastor, can you come talk to them? I'll say, yes, I can, but you need to go talk to them. They've talked to you about this. Why aren't you going to the Holy, why aren't you going to the Holy Spirit and ask him how you need to minister to this person? Why aren't you realizing the position that you're, you're in, that, that the Lord's placed you in, so that you can see him more clearly in the situation? Paul was very clear when he said, look, I found, and, and it's not just a clever sports thing to put on your, put on your sports whatever, clothes, what sports people wear, jerseys, is that what they wear? You sport people, whatever. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Before he said that, he was saying, look, I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been in need, I've been hungry, I've had lots. Look, what I found is my circumstances don't define me. Christ is who defines me. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not my job, not my uh, social status, not my church, not um, how much I give, None of these things define me, not how much I lack, because I lack nothing in Christ. Christ defines me. So what we find is in, in, instead, of, instead of fully embracing the freedom that Christ gives us, we get scared and we want to go back to something that can give us some more structure because it feels safe, right? I'm with you. <laughs> I understand. It's, it's hard sometimes. It's not easy. That's why, that's why I say grace puts us in a peculiar, peculiar position because it's harder than law. Hear me when I say that. Because now you have to discover what's on your heart and why it's on your heart and you have to deal with between you and the Lord. Not me, because I might mess you up. Listen, when you're, when you're alone and when your thoughts are going through your head and when you're not staying busy so that you don't get in trouble... You have to figure out what you're thinking about and why you're thinking it. That's, that's not on me. Now, if I'm in relationship with you and you want to confide in me, I'm not going to be some accountability partner, covenant eyes thing because you'll find your way around that. But if you have a relationship with me and you want to pray about it and we want to talk, yes, I want to do that. I want to partner with you in praying about whatever situation you have. But I, I can't be the, or me or anybody else for that matter, can be the whole and only fix that you have. And a church structure or, or a religious system can't be the fix that you have. Because those are all temporary. The same reason that, that uh, Peter was afraid of the waves being distracted by something, the Israelites wanted to go back to something comfortable was a fear. They were saying they're, they're giants and we're like we're, we're teeny tiny people. We're like grasshoppers to them. They, it was all just their fear that was keeping them and their unbelief of what God could do. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy. Same, and, and going even back to the, the scripture about some, some said it thundered when God spoke. I don't want to be the guy that said, oh, I was just thunder. 
I want to be the one that, that is still caught up in the wonder of what God can do. And, and not just be caught up in the wonder of it, but be a part of it. Because that's all it is. It's, it's like the elevator going up and down. If you want to get on it, you get on it. But we can be so busy and distracted by fear and trying to regulate ourselves and the people around us that we can begin to pile more and more on them. It's just like the, uh, Jesus was telling the Pharisees, you put all these things on people's backs and you yourselves can't even carry them. You can't, you can't just try to make people behave and make people behave and make people behave because as soon as the threat's lifted, they're, gonna, they're not going to know what to do. They're not going to know how to think. They're not going to know who they are. They're not going to be able to, 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 to discover what is, is beneficial to them by way of the Holy Spirit himself. God gives us this, this Bible. I've got my digital Bible today. Um, if I can open it. So that it can help us to see his character. Even the Bible itself says, look, you, you search for me in these words, but I'm the one that you need. It's not just in the words, I am the word. Before the foundations of the, of the earth, he was there. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there. And so when we read scripture, it's a description of his character and who he is. Um, I don't want to go word for word necessarily, um, but in, in uh, Matthew 14, I'll, I'll read a few script. I'll read a few. Most of you know the stories. It's just the him feeding the 5,000 from the little kid's sack lunch and then him walking on water to meet Peter. But uh, specifically this one verse, verse 14, Matthew 14, 14, it says then, um, well, well, let's start at 13. Ma- uh, Matthew 14, 13 says, when Jesus heard what had happened, and what he heard was that John the Baptist was beheaded. So John is dead. So Jesus heard about that. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So um, this to me expresses his character, God's character through man, through Jesus, through his son, an extension of himself. He was hurt by losing John. And so he pulled away so that he could just gather his thoughts and understanding and pray to his father. So something has happened, and we're looking at the character of Jesus. He's pulled away. So hearing of this because of how insensitive crowds are, <laughs> they followed him. <laughs> they followed him on foot uh, from the towns. In verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now stop there. Jesus just lost John the Baptist, um, who he says is the greatest among men, even though we're greater in the new covenant. He, he knows John the Baptist and he knows how important he is and how good he is, and he's hurt by this. And so Jesus withdraws to go and pray, and the multitudes follow him. And then when he gets somewhere so he can pray, he gets, he gets there and he looks around and there's this huge crowd. But instead of saying, get out of here, <laughs> I need to withdraw and pray because I just lost John, he has compassion on them. That's the character of God. The character of God says, I have compassion on people. And he began to heal the sick. So like I said, not to make light of the healing, but to see the heart behind the healing. The heart behind the healing is he had compassion on people and he wanted to meet their needs where they were. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, uh, this is a remote place. Now, here's, here's what kills me. He just wants to go pray. They show up and they're all hungry. <laughs> I mean, if that was any of us, let's be honest, I would, I would be pretty frustrated at that point. But Jesus still has compassion on them. And he says, okay, well, don't tell them to leave. Just feed them, and they're like, "Okay, <laughs> we got this kid here with just some, you know, five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do? We've got a sack lunch to feed five thousand people, not including women and children." 
Jesus says, don't worry about it. We got this. I'm going to give thanks, multiply it, everybody eats. So he meets all of their needs, their physical needs. All of them eat that day with, with leftovers that they take home and sit in their refrigerator for two weeks until it goes bad. I'm just kidding. That's just us. So um, fast forward a little bit. Verse 22, um, immediately Jesus uh, made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Uh, when he, he dismissed the crowd, finally, he told them to get out of here. Y'all are, I've, I've healed you. <laughs> I've ministered to you. I've fed you. I think y'all are good. I've, I've, met, I've met all of your needs that I can think of. You guys get out of here. I'm going to go uh, with my disciples. So uh, after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. So he's put off his prayer up until this point. Now he sends them all away. He's taken care of as much needs as he could. And now he's going to pray, and he sends his disciples on ahead of him. So he goes up the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was, uh, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable, a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So it was windy. There were waves. It was kind of stormy. Jesus goes out to meet them. They had already gone. He's like, eh. I'm Jesus. <laughs> I'll just meet them the way that I know how to. So uh, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter, because he's a loud mouth, <laughs> said, tell me to come to you on the water. And here, this, this seems very simple, but to me, I think this is great. Jesus didn't have to say this, but he's like, all right. Peter, he could have said, stop being so obnoxious, stop being a loud mouth, but he knows Peter. He's like, all right, you want to come out to me? Come on out. Walk on the water. When Peter got down to the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus, but then he saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Listen, that whole scenario from, from, from the beginning of those two stories to now, Jesus has done nothing but look out for other people, right? This is looking at the character behind the actions that Jesus did. Um, some of the things that, that, and like I said, this is half of, my, half of my sermon was based on my kids. I'm trying not to embarrass them, but they're not in here, so don't tell them. I'll have to, I don't want to uh, cripple them for life. <laughs> but uh, but there's, there are things that we discuss with our kids that I find very clearly when our kids are discovering who they are as tiny humans because <laughs> they're tiny humans growing up, and we're discovering who we are as parents because this is our first go-round. Unfortunately, we didn't have very good... Tracy and I didn't have... I don't want to say very good. We, we had parents that loved us. I don't want to just bash our parents. They did the best they could with the, with the equipment that they had. Um, unfortunately, it was different than the way that we, we want to raise our kids in a little bit different environment. So I'm trying to say that as nice as possible. So we're, we're trying to raise our kids, and it's our first go-around. We're trying to figure it out. So as we teach them and, and we try to help them understand who they are and who they are in light of who Christ says they are, there are lots of hurdles. Are we alone? Anybody else? There are lots of hurdles that we found. Here's where it would be easy for us to just go back to the law and tell them to not do things and do things. Now there there are times that we do we do tell them not to do things and to do things and to do things, and for for two reasons. One, um, we want them to trust us, so we don't have to explain everything. There are times we just say do it because we love you and you need to trust us, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
There are other times when I need to get down on my knees and, and be eye level and explain to them why we're doing what we're doing. Because they're tiny humans and they have tiny brains and they need to understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. Sometimes I talk, and maybe it's just my personality, I talk to them like they're adults and I explain it a little, sometimes too, maybe too complex, but I just expect them to get it. And they're like, we don't know what these words mean. <laughs> I'm like, okay, just don't do it. <laughs> For now, I'll explain later, just don't do it. Um, but there are sometimes um, that we've, we've talked about the basic things as far as behavior goes. And this usually stems up from language or music or different things like that and things that are around us in culture that can be considered good or considered bad. Um, and what I found is the, the more that I've discovered uh, the, the bad behavior, it all stems, it all goes back to a heart issue. It goes back to why they're doing what they're doing. And so when I see them get frustrated with one another and one of the things that, and I'm not going to name names, maybe that'll help. I'll keep them anonymous. We've got three, you don't even know who they are. One of them will say, uh, she's, she's just recently started saying freaking, and, but, she's, but she says it when she gets mad. She'll say, I just freaking this. And she's, when she's angry about something, so I've had to explain that to her. Look, it's not about the word. You might as well be saying a bad word or a worse, a worse word, whatever. Um, but it's the anger that you have towards that person that makes it a bad word. And so I've had to break it down for her because I, I would, and here's, here's an example, and this, none of this has happened. This is hypothetical. If one of my kids was passionate about, um, about an injustice or about someone being, being treated not like Christ would treat them, or they were passionate about something that they cared about and they used a word that would be not culturally clean, <laughs> unclean, forever unclean, if they used one of those words, I would not have an issue with it. Now, if they were using that same word to tear somebody else down, I would have a major issue with it. Even more, even the same amount, I would be disappointed if they didn't use any bad words and they were still tearing somebody else down. I would, be, I would have a problem with it, and we would need to discuss it. Because many of you know in here, you can tear somebody down without ever saying a cuss word. And you can end it with, I'm only telling you this because I love you. That don't mean you love them. You can, you can be very passive-aggressive and, and tear somebody down. You don't need a cuss word to do that. The heart behind what we do, the, the character of God is expressed by his actions, but it's, he's not trying to prove himself in anything. He says it constantly. I'm just doing what I, see the, what I see Daddy do. All I do is what I see the Father do, I do. That's it. It's a simple process. I, I, I express the character of my Father so that you guys can see it and you can do it as well. He says... All authority has been given to me from, from heaven and earth. And then he washes his disciples' feet. And Peter says, don't do that. <laughs> and he's like, you don't understand. Unless I do this, you have no part in me. And then Peter says, then wash my hands and my, and my head too. <laughs> he's like, you're, not, you're missing the point, Peter. <laughs> you're missing the point. My kingdom, like we talked about last week, my kingdom doesn't look like the kingdom that you guys are looking for. And they even express some disappointment in it. This isn't what we thought this was going to be. This teaching is hard. Drink your blood, eat your flesh. Hmm, I don't know about that. I'm going to have to give up everything that I've ever believed in to believe this. I've got to walk, I've got to walk into the complete, somewhat unknown. I have to trust and have faith and let go of my complete old system and just latch on to Christ. That's, that's huge for a young Jewish boy to do that. It's huge for us to, especially some of us coming out of a more legalistic system to go, this, this, this kept us from doing wrong things. What am I going to do out here when I can do whatever I want? You need to discover what you want to do and why you're doing it. That's the harder question, not what you're doing. That's just an extension of who, of, of who you really are. Your belief, people say, well, 
like the proof is in the pudding or the, the, the truth is in the actions. No, I can fake actions. I can pretend something. The real truth is what you do out of your belief of what you truly believe. That's the root. The root is what you believe. Everything else comes from that place. It flows out of it. So the same thing Jesus tells us when, when, when all the disciples are like, well, who's first? Who's going to be first? That's all I want to know. Who's going to be first? John even calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm going to rest on, on his bosom. I want to be close to you. Who's going to be first in heaven? And Jesus comes saying, <laughs> trying to help you see this. The kingdom of heaven is not like that. You, I have come to serve. <laughs> and it's not just to be a servant. It's because I care for people. And he demonstrated. And then he goes on to tell him, look, I did this so that you could see that no teacher is above his master. I'm showing you this because this is how I want you guys to live from this place. I've, I've threatened to do foot washings here many Sundays. If I wasn't so ADD and lazy, I'd get some warm water. And I, but then I'd wash too many people's feet because I appreciate all of you so much. I'd be like, I don't know where to start. I'd be washing everybody's feet. But there is, a, there is a, a place, especially in the midst of leadership in churches, that has to find its place in serving one another, not in, in lording over one another. This is when we talk about healing. One of the reasons why it sounds like I kind of downplay healing sometimes, and I hope I don't mean, I don't mean to sound that way. The reason I do that is because I've been a part of streams that treated that as though it was some special anointing that only certain people carried, and it's not. You all have the same Holy Spirit. Now, you may be gifted in different areas and different ways to do that. That's one thing, and I'm okay with that. But that is, in, that is no place and nowhere in Scripture does it show that, that you are above anybody else because you have that. Matter of fact, you should be serving more people if you begin to operate in those giftings. You should be finding more people to love and more people to serve to glorify the Lord in it. Not, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm a man of God. Come up, come to me and, and put yourself up on a pedestal. So, I don't know where I was going with that. Let's see. Oh, yeah, healing. I don't want to discount healing because I, I want... I just want us to understand the, the fullness of it. That's the main thing. I want us to see it for what it is. I want to see it's the heart behind it. The heart behind it is because God has compassion. When we're praying for Rick, my heart, my heart breaks for Rick because he's my friend. I, 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 want, I, don't want him to, I don't want him to be afraid. I don't want Rose to be afraid of, of losing Rick. I don't, want, I don't want him to hurt. I don't want him to suffer. You know, my heart is for Rick. <laughs> I want the Lord to be glorified if he does get healed, but Rick's my friend. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's as simple as that. I, 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 want, I want to see the heart behind what we do, not just what we do. Grace is the same way. I want to see people free. I don't want people to see bound up like the Pharisees piling things on top of them when Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want people's burdens to be light. I want people to be free and not think that they've got to... A, God's not intimidated with sin. He wasn't scared of it then. Listen, they beheaded John and brought it on a platter. You think America's in trouble? <laughs> there was brief, brief look at history. Just a brief look, and you will see how much better we are today than we were then. The world's not getting worse. <laughs> He's not wanting us to escape. I'm, matter of fact, let me tell you about it. John 17, 13 says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. He's talking to his disciples. 
I have given them your word, and the, word has hate, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not, listen to this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that you too may be truly sanctified. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for, for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. Okay? So he, pray, he prayed this to his disciples, but he's saying that prayer is not just for them, it's for us too. He's not wanting us to just get out of this place. He's made a way that we can experience heaven now and spread it now. So he's saying, look, it's, it's not just for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in, in through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you and you and you and you and you and you. That's good news. He didn't leave you alone. He didn't say, hey, here's a bunch of rules. You couldn't do, you couldn't do the first 10 and then you made a bunch more, but now I'm going to bring in some new rules that you can't keep. Good luck with those. I'm out of here. That's the way we treat it sometimes in churches. Like, okay, well, Jesus said, well, don't, uh, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm saying don't even lust after another woman. Or you've heard it said, uh, don't do this, but I'm telling you this. What he's saying is every time it's a heart issue, it's not. He wasn't saying I'm creating some new laws that you can't keep. He's saying you couldn't keep the old ones because you didn't even see what the whole purpose behind them was. So you certainly aren't going to be able to do this without me. You're going to need a new heart. You need a new heart. You need me. So I says, uh, later on he says, uh, many will come to me in that day. Did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not have many miraculous signs and do all these things? I did a lot of stuff. You say, no, I don't know you. The goal for the Christian and the reward for the Christian is relationship, restored relationship with the Father and, and, and in turn re- restoring relationships around us. Heaven's not the goal. Heaven's the byproduct of the kingdom. It is who we are to know him and to make him known. It was one of the, one of the kids in the children's church when, when Dawn was telling me that she was asking kind of what our purpose is and one of the kids raised their hand. This is one of the kids in our children's church. Right back there. said, our purpose is, is to know Christ and to make him known. And bring, bring her in here and let her preach. She's got the simple gospel. We, we complicate it and put all these extra boundaries and things on it because we're afraid. That's sad. It's a sad place to be to live from fear when Christ tells us constantly not to fear. And then we get saved and we're forgiven and we're free and then we go, okay, hang on. But you, you still have to fear. You're good, but keep the butts out of it. Keep your butts out of it. Dad joke. All right. I'm real, real bad. Sorry. I'm a dad, so that's the only jokes I know. Um, verse 22, I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be as one as we are one. In them, there's a continuing theme here if you hadn't caught it. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the, then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them, even as you have loved me. If you ever ask yourself how much God loves you, how much did God love Jesus? If you ever ask yourself, am I right, am, am I right with God? Is Jesus right with God? As he is, so are we where? In this world. 
as he is, who? Christ. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Not one day when you die and go to heaven. Now. The key, whether it's kids or adults, the key to right living is right believing. The key to behavioral issues is a better belief system in who they are in Christ as sons and daughters of the living God. Of, of, of walking, talking, holy temples that, that express themselves in every situation that they're in as light in the darkness. Nothing, especially kids, this is why the Bible constantly talks about how great it is to be a child, like a childlike faith. They don't, that's, and that's also why we see uh, child crimes or, or crimes that are committed on children more heinous than others because they're innocent. It takes their innocence. We don't want to see kids' innocence taken. This is the same way I know that Jesus stands up when he sees one of his innocent polluted with, with all this other garbage, and he wants to shake all that stuff loose. It's like, look, he wants you to have that wonder and understand how good he is. He wants you to have a childlike faith because he doesn't want you polluted with stress and worry that most of us adults deal with day to day, with jobs and insurance and life and mortgages and insurance and insurance. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Rick, number two. You, if you do stress with insurance, talk to Rick. He'll help you. <laughs> sorry, my mind's squirrel. All right, focus. Adult things we stress out about, right? We stress out about these things. It, we have to live in this world. We have to pay bills. We have to do things. That's okay. But God does not want you to fear those things. Those things don't define you. Same way Paul said, I've had a lot and I've had a little. Listen, I've been poor and I've been, I guess, well, I consider wealthy when you've been poor. Everything's wealthy. But I've been both places and none of it matters with, without Christ. None of it. It's all garbage. It's like poop. All of it. I said poop from the pulpit. I said freaking too. Whatever. And duty. And duty. Don't get me started, Doug. <laughs> We'll end, with, we'll end with the Great Commission. How about that? Does that sound good? This is going to sound familiar to what we talked about earlier. Uh, the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, 16. Most of us know the basics of it. Uh, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, the last time Jesus said something like this, when he says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, when he, when he discovers that he's the son of the father and, and all of that authority, what does he do? He washes his disciples' feet. What does he do after that? He teaches them and says, look, you need to see this because this is how my kingdom works. I need you guys to do the same thing that I'm doing. So when he leaves, he's, I believe he's reminding of this. He's reminding them of who he is and who he's taught. Who he's, slow down, Justin. Who he has shown them they are to say that correctly. Yes. He's showing them who they are. And then he goes and he tells them, don't fear. You remember when he ascends? Don't be afraid. I'm going to come back. The same way you see me leave, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to be with you forever. And this is when he sends his Holy Spirit. So the Great Commission is not on you. Do you get it? When we take the Great Commission, we go, okay, let's go. Let's go make disciples of all nations. Isn't that the big thing? The big push? We're going, to do, we're going to do this. We're going to make disciples of all nations. Y'all ready? Let's do this. We're going to do it. And we get all riled up. And then we go home. We're like, how, how are we going to do this? <laughs> how, do, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we make disciples of all nations? We don't. He does. We just get to be involved in it through life, through friends, through family, through jobs. 
If you want to go into the mission field, we got people for that. If you want to do it every day, do it every day. You don't need me or, or anybody else in here to help you. I mean, we're, we're willing to, but you, ha- you carry, <laughs> oh, I know you know this, but I can't, I can't reiterate it enough. You carry the, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Amen. You have that. We have to realize what we have. I've talked about before, you can't give away uh, $100,000 unless you know that you have it. You have to know who you are before you can express that to other people. Because you're trying to convince this. Here's, here's where I've seen. I know we're, we're getting close. Here's what, here's what I've seen. Um, I've seen in the past where I went through dis- discipleship programs that taught me to go basically make people feel uncomfortable in Walmart about have you sinned, have you stolen something, have you, you know, the whole or run through Romans and do all, these, do all these structured things with the intentions of trying to get people to go to heaven. So there was this, there was, and looking back, it's, it seems so clear, but back then I was right in, I was like, this is awesome. We're, we're going we're gonna to save everyone from hell and everybody's going to heaven today. And most of them were just like, hey, what do you want? Yes, okay, I'll take your track. But here's, here's and, and the Lord was gracious to, to do works in the midst of that too. I'm not just, he's so gracious. Um, but here's what I've seen. If we have that model, what we're doing is we're taking all this upon ourselves to do all these things and we're not really relying on him to do them. What happens when we do it more naturally within the context of, of family and friends and, 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 and divine appointments that we find ourselves in that, are, that the Lord leads us into because we are in communion with him, now the Lord does it and we're like, whoa, that was awesome. God just did this right in front of me. And it's not, hey, look what I did. You know, I, got, I had four people walk the aisle and say a prayer and I signed them up. And they're going to be here and they're serving in Children's Church next week. Because that's, that, that's boastful for me. Look what I've done. I've done this. It's not about you. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. It's not about you. It's about, it's about him doing it and us co-laboring with him. Okay, Christ, where do you want me to go? Step by step. Moment by moment. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What, is this, what does this situation look like in light of who you are, not in light of what I see? Because what I see doesn't look very good. That's why we find ourselves in this, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket because of what you what you're not looking at the right you're not looking in the right realm. Listen, the Lord is continually building his kingdom. We just we can be a part of it or it's just up to us to do that. All right, I'm rambling now. We still need to we still need to make announcements and take up offering and I'm over. But I'm gonna pray first. Stand up with me. And I'm gonna pray. But don't run away after I pray, because we still need to we still need to do announcements to take up offering. We'll do those at the same time. How about that? Father, uh, <laughs> we're going to be efficient today. Lord, I know, uh, I thank you for, for giving us a sense of humor. Lord, I thank you for, um, I thank you for speaking um, in and through all of us in this place. Lord, I thank you for speaking through me sometimes. Um, I thank you that we can, We can just listen for your voice and we can, we can hear it. Lord, sometimes it's audibly, sometimes it's through a situation, sometimes it's through prayer, sometimes it's through reading your word and your scriptures. Lord, I thank you that you are, you are not dead, that you are very much alive. Lord, that we don't serve a historic God only, but we serve a living God, a God that, that still is speaking and moving in and through us and that we can, we can definitely make a difference to the families that are around us um, in, the, in the context of relationship, a relationship that is only made um, by the love that you've given us, the agape love that seeks others' needs before our own. 
Lord, I thank you that you are even now you're going before us and preparing a way that as we leave this building, Lord, your Holy Spirit goes with us and the, the waiters and waitresses and, and checkout ladies and, and friends and family and that one uncle that gets on your nerves, or not your nerves, but our nerves, um, that you are, you are already preparing a place and a divine appointment for us to minister to them. Lord, that you are already showing us and demonstrating in our, in our hearts and in the Spirit um, what's going on in their lives that we can, we can actually minister to the real issue, the heart issue, not the behavioral issue. Lord, that we can, we can attack the root and not keep trying to, uh, to just trim the hedges there. So, Lord, I, just, uh, I thank you that you love us and you are, uh, your, your character is, is in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.